tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. Hey, hey, ho, ho, this penis party's got to go. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, we go on a tour of the majestic but far too uptight Port Chester University. It's PCU, or Politically Correct University. Before we begin, Captain Cash is along with me. Oh, am I supposed to say hi? Hi, everybody. Whoops. <laughs> and as always, hailing from parts unknown, the Port Chester Whooping Crane, also known as Chumpzilla. Hey, Buttlicks. Remember me? <laughs> Howdy, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, Mayflower, Mayflower material, I presume? It's a boat. I guess your ancestors weren't on it. Uh, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and Beal Flops. You can find myself, Crow Tinkle, the podcasting cat, at Writer TLK. Captain Cash, <laughs> where can they find you? You can find me at CAPTCASH on most of your social media. And Chumzilla, where are you at? I'm hanging out in the pit, bro. Yeah. He's just blowing out fuses, playing guitar. Uh, tonight, we're drinking Terminally Chill from La Cumbre Brewing, because uh, in honor of Jerrytown, the potheads of the film, we thought we'd be as chill as they are. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. I'm not sure we can get that chill, but damn it, we're going to try. It'd be really difficult to get as chill as Jerrytown. It'd be really difficult to get as chill as Jake Busey. Just a bigger to brighten up your day. So, uh, PCU came out in April of 1994. It grossed just over $4 million on a budget of 8 opening to a little over $2 million. Apparently, its poor performance, coupled with the equally poor performance of High School High, tanked the director of this movie's directing career. And who was that director? Hart Bachner. Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. Harry Ellis from Die Hard. So he directed this in High School High, and then he was apparently put into movie purgatory because they both did not do well. Uh, one of them sucks. It's not this one. <laughs> although, but oddly, oddly enough, High School High made more money. Yeah, although there is that scene in High School High where the burly woman punches him, uh, punches uh, John Lovitz in the stomach and says, that was a new suit, pickle dick. It's probably the funniest part of the movie. Uh, this movie's written by Adam Leff and Zach Penn, original screenwriters of Last Action Hero, so they're making a, uh, their second appearance on the pod. Uh, Penn also wrote what, Chumpzilla? <laughs> okay, so those names might sound familiar to fans of the pod, all four of you. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yeah, sorry. But Penn's post-PCU writing credits include some pretty big-name superhero flicks. Some better than others. You've got yeah, X2, true. 
X Men: The Last Stand. Yike. Electra. <laughs> Super yike. Yeah. Um, early drafts of both the Hulk and the Incredible Hulk. Okay. Which That's weird. I mean, they're fine. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the, the headliner here is that he co-wrote the Avengers with Joss Whedon. And I hate to say it, but I think you can hear a little bit of the PCU like banter and back and forth dialogue in the Avengers. I think I think there's some PCU in the Avengers. I, I'm just throwing that Listen, out there. Favreau's in PCU. I, I'm wholly believing that. Favreau's like, listen, they put me in charge of these comic book things. Zach, you want to do a thing? I mean, it's there's some of that quippy back and forth. It's mm-hmm. it, There's some DNA shared there. That's all I'm saying. Um, but here's what I thought was bonkers, because I, I did not know about this connection. I was not aware of it. Um, future projects for these guys, at least for Zach Penn, um, He's involved in Rom, the Space Knight, the upcoming Untitled Matrix movie, uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, and the Untitled Booster Gold film that's apparently in development. So this dude's got some serious like, comic book chops, and he's just building on it. But at the bottom of all that, it's freaking PCU. Wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, he... He started out good, though. This is not that bad a movie. This it's movie very was apparently inspired by his experiences in the Eclectic Society at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, which parts of it were shot, like establishing shots were shot at Wesleyan, uh, but for the most part it was shot in Toronto. Uh, starring Jeremy Entourage Piven. This is like his showcase movie. This was his Van Wilder. Like This put Piven really on the map if only he was as handsome as that ryan reynolds chris the old 96er young yeah uh john yes the john favreau alex the science teacher in boy meets world desert david mayflower material spade jessica lucille bluth walter and drumroll please he's back listeners jake the snake Busey. Would this be his second or first best role, in your opinion, between this and Starship? Mersh's classic. Yeah, but you know what? This doesn't have an electric neon fiddle. True, but that for me, that for me takes it. I have to imagine that somewhere in Jerry Town's shanty, there is an electric green fiddle. (laughs) I I will say to to give uh, Starship Troopers the nod. At least in Starship Troopers, Busey is not outperformed athletically by a dog. Yeah. Well, Blotter's really Blotter. good, though. Blotter. Blotter the hey, dog Blotter. Blotter. So according to IMDb, this film's description is, A high school senior visits college for the weekend and stays at the wildest house on campus in this classic tale of anti-political correctness. How would you two describe this film in one sentence? Gen X Animal House. Chumpzilla. Okay, that, that's that's apt. That's apt. Um, I'm going to go with something slightly along the same lines, but a bit more descriptive. A very 90s update to Animal House. 
And most Gen Xers' first exposure to the Starland vocal band's hit song, Afternoon Delight, and what is quite possibly a Happy Hogan origin story, <laughs> starring Jeremy Piven's original hairline, John, I can't believe this is the guy who directed El Favro, David, see, I had a career before Chris Farley's spade, <laughs> kid from Matt's headroom, Archer's mom, Jake motherfucking Busey, the chick from 30-something sister, and George Clinton as himself. No matter what role George Clinton is hired to play, he will always reliably play himself. Yeah. The doctor of Funkonomics or Dr. Funkenstein or whatever they call it. Funkenstein. Yeah. Stein. Funkenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. No, but seriously, I, I think this is a happy Hogan origin story. I think like he straightened up after this is this is this is Happy's formative years and he decided, wow. you know what, I'm I'm going on the straight and narrow after this. Like you, I, you will get your uh, and yet he chance. works for Tony Stark, who until his, he's forty, parties at least as hard as Jeremy Piven. If you could rearrange the laws of space and time and just put RDJ in the Piven role, I would completely agree. This is the sequel or the yeah, prequel to Iron Man. Definitely, like if it all hinged on them having to do a science. Like if you took real genius and you mixed it with the plot of this movie, and it was just. Gutter and draws building a giant laser to fill popcorn up in uh, William Atherton's house. That is the prequel to Iron Man for sure. <laughs> so, so I said, right. at a liberal Midwestern university, roughly ten people seem to be fully embracing the wonders of unsupervised adulthood. Wait, th- this was Midwestern. I, I I think I got confused. I just well, thought it was Connecticut. Yeah, yeah time. northeastern, a liberal northeastern university. Full disclosure here: the parallels between this movie and the the three of our actual college experience alarming is, is alarmingly alarming. close. Because I hate to admit it, but we 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 did all attend a liberal arts college. We all did live in an awful degenerate house, not all that undifferentiated pit. And art, liberal art, arts, though. I yes, don't know, man. Yes, it's a business my, school. No, Miami University is a liberal arts college. It, it's it, the Miami plan. Do you, do you not remember that? We had, yeah, we had no, I remember. I just That's because it's a liberal arts college. I uh, slept no, through no, half no. of the Miami plan. Yeah, it, we all did. We all did. <laughs> but more importantly, we changed our mascot in the mid-90s from an offensive Indian to a bird. No, no, no. no I, I, I will come down hard on this. Redskins fucking awful as a name. I'm very happy we were the the no, Red Hawks or whatever. I, well, no, no, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying we literally did what this movie did. We we changed our name from the offensive Redskin name to a bird, which is and exactly good. what they they do in this movie. No, I, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying like it. The parallels are alarming. Yeah, no, that's fair. Swoop swoop pales in comparison to the Portchester whooping crane. Wasn't that the name of our stupid mascot, Swoop? Swoop, yeah, Swoop, yeah, Swoop the Red Hawk, yeah. Who decided Um, that? I don't know. In addition to the mascot change, our university is almost as old. Okay, so their bicentennial was 94, ours was 2009. So it wasn't even that far off. And concerned, we're the oldest university west of the Appalachians. Okay, so Captain Cash, why don't you give us an actual light plot reflection of PCU uh 
Jeez, how do you even do that? Because, like, not as bad as Cats last week, this movie is kind of light on plot. Effectively, what you get is a pre-frosh shows up, a pre-frosh, a uh, high school senior is trying to decide what school he wants to go to, shows up to PCU, pisses off everyone where he meets Jeremy Piven and his crew from the pit, uh, who is engaged in a class war with the, <laughs> it's the skull and bones pastiche they call, what is it, the balls and cock? No. Balls and shaft. Balls and shaft, there it is. Hijinks ensue. Uh, they're going to be kicked off campus. They arrange a concert and a giant party to help them raise enough money to avoid being kicked out of the the gorgeous house they're living in. Uh, George Clinton shows up. They raise the money, but they get kicked out anyway. And then all of the protesting PC people that they've basically been bagging on this entire time, they use to organize a we're not going to protest protest and uh, get the Dean, not Dean Werner, Wormer, Dean, yeah, not Dean Wormer, but a female Dean Wormer, as as mentioned, played by Archer's mom, uh, almost an unrecognizable Jessica Walter. And she gets kicked off, and they get to live in their old house. President Garcia Thompson. You know what? There's a lot in this movie that doesn't make sense, but it moves so fast you don't really notice. Because this, this movie literally takes place over the course of a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of just, you just run through it. There's no stops. So there's not a lot of time to question it. The beauty of the movie is is that it really is a star vehicle and the characters are really great and you can imagine yourself hanging out with almost anybody in the pit. They're all cool. Uh, they all don't take anything seriously, which I guess really is actually the antithesis of cool, but that's the 90s way of thinking. Like, oh, if I do nothing, I'm the coolest guy in school. But Piven owns the movie. He's he's given a lot to work with and I know he had some beefs with the movie not allowing for more improv- improvisation. But I don't really think like you you notice that like his lines are great. He yes. says some things that like transcend the film, and people have continued to say since this movie came out in 1994. Such as when Gutter is going to see a band and he's wearing a particular T-shirt. You don't wear the band, the T-shirt of the band you're going to see, and honestly. I took that to heart. I, I for a long time I thought that was gospel. Yeah, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And you really, it is like it's an hour and twenty minutes long. Uh, and I did want to mention at the beginning of the pod, it's actually really not available to stream anywhere right now. So uh, we did uh, some less than savory. Uh, we may or may not have yeah. owned it. We may or may not have used yeah. unorthodox means to acquire it. It, it was streaming on uh, Comcast for a long time. I mean, I've watched on Comcast many a time. So I went and looked. I was like, oh, I'll just uh, I'll just buy it, you know, because I've seen this movie a bunch of times. We It was part of the rotation. It was like one of the Billy Madisons or the Happy Gilmores. Or We watched this movie all the time in, I guess that would be middle school. Uh, and it's not even in print anymore on DVD. So you have to buy it from like independent sellers for like 50 bucks. Although you can get a DVD two pack of this and Porky's for $9.99. <laughs> you know what? There's something about this movie that really struck me after watching it 
like on an academic basis. It's really, <laughs> aside from some language, it's really not that vulgar. There is zero nudity. There is zero visible drug use. Um, we see people smoke pot, don't we? Yeah, you see no, people smoking pot. Who, who smokes pot in this movie? Well, aren't they smoking pot when Gutter go, goes to Jerrytown? And that's why they convince him to also smoke pot? You don't see it. No. It's never, it's, it's never shown. Who... Um, Jeremy Piven is smoking a beer or smoking a beer, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> smoking a beer, man. He, and he's smoking a cigarette again when President Garcia Thompson shows up. Mm-hmm. But there's only two times you see him smoke. You don't see him else smoke throughout the movie, except for the uh, the computer lab guy. There are very few scenes in this, very few scenes in this movie of people imbibing an alcohol, smoking a cigarette. There's no pot. There's no nudity. There's no even suggested sex other than except maybe when uh, Tom takes a peek at Kate's ass when she's at the fuse box. Like, honestly, this movie is pretty fucking PG. So much, so much of what they do is just implied. You feel like you've seen it. Like, you guys thought you saw a pot smoking? You don't. There's no joints in this movie. You don't see a bong raised anybody's lips. It's all implied. You think you've seen it, but you haven't. It's actually pretty. It's, it's pretty amazing because this movie sort of got the Animal House take to it. But it's not nearly as like uh, subversive. It's more. It's more about the dialogue and, and the message. Which is funny because you think you know if you're going for an R, at least titillate us, or at least lean in. It's not R. They weren't allowed to have an R. Uh, it was mandated uh, by the studio, uh, and it kind of pissed off Bachner. But that's sort of the ironic thing about this movie. This movie is about people who are probably overly offended and too easily offended. And then this group like, hey, like, let's just have fun. Be concerned about things that matter. Let's not get offended about every little thing. And it really doesn't do anything overtly offensive throughout the entire movie. Now, if this was made in the 80s, I could see this have gone way over the top. But it really, it's 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 a mild movie, and it's funny because of the dialogue and the performances, and David Spade is a creepy, just uber jackassy Reaganite rich guy. Yeah, that's quintessential what David Spade does, the Weasley dude. Yeah, he he did the David the Spade. The information like, Republican. Yeah, like the uh, that little like like he mastered that in this movie yes yes so the only swear words that i caught in this movie are when gutter wakes up from being stoned in town and it's like shit shit the beer shit that's it so it's basically like it's like transformers the movie there's just a random shit thrown into the middle and that's the only that's the only blue Uh, language in the whole thing yeah it was gutter john favreau gets the swear words he gets like he gets a couple shits in just to get the pg-13 was that what this is rated? Right? PG- it's PG thirteen, yeah. And uh, as I said, Bachner not super happy about it. So I do have some questions about the movie, and you briefly touched on this first one already, Chumzilla. But how much, if at all, did this movie remind you of college? You said a lot, and we both agreed. My only thought is, I feel like yeah. where we went was slightly less 
PC than that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no. I think this movie we was uh, was ahead it's of its time in a way. It was almost like, hey, college campuses are turning into this, and now we're going to make fun of it, and we do, and it's so over the top. You're like, oh no, it's not like that at all. But now we're kind of living in a time where it has become like that in some good ways and some not so good ways. Like there's whatever mm-hmm. cancel culture is. I don't really pay all that attention, but I know when people get really mad at somebody, they try to destroy them or something like that. You know, and it can be over something really stupid, such as Zachary Levi telling a crowd of people in October that the Snyder Cut's not going to come out. It's like, well, it probably won't. That sucks, but you can't now attack that man because he has an opinion that's not really controversial. But Also, he just seems like a lovely human. Yeah. Even yeah. everybody. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to go full, uh, full Snyder cut here, but I, I will say that, yeah, our college experiences does have some parallels because, let's face it, we basically attended college towards the tail end of the 90s and the early aughts. And I think it was a transitional period because I think there was a degree of hedonism that existed <laughs> when we got to campus that was starting <laughs> to transfer it really was like we cut the tail end of like the good old times when it, when, you know, just shit flew and nobody cared. And then uh, I think people became more socially conscious. And I also think the fact that digital recording came into the, you know, to play like stuff could be captured. Like memories weren't lost the way they used to be. Like there was video, there was film. Yes. Thank God. We're not recording any of this for posterity in this no. Come back to bite us in 20 years. Exactly, because we, we were just on the edge of when that was the norm. Because, hey, let's face it, our freshman years, stuff wasn't – cell phones, digital yeah. cameras, they, they weren't ubiquitous. They weren't everywhere. They were there. Some folks had them, but it wasn't the norm. Facebook became a thing while we were in school. Yeah, I read All right, about somebody, it. Somebody let so, Grandpa Chumpzilla lay down for a little while. So my point is, like, it, yeah, we were right there in the edge of when you could get away with stuff. You can't get away with stuff anymore. I Now, I, I will just say, our shenanigans were cheeky and fun. Well, first off, we, we, all had, we, all had, we all had yeah. pit names, okay? We yeah. all had pit names. So we had, we got, we, you know, Captain Cash was Hermes. The uh, thunderous I, I, wizard was pasty, and I was nuts. Okay, they were strange times. These were strange times, but there were names. The transition into the, the new millennium was was a bit odd on everybody. It, it was awkward. I mean, when, and, and and that goes to my point that yes, we sort of did live in the pit at one point in time. Yeah, and we all made it out. We all made it out. We're all contributing, tax-paying members of society now. But it was dicey. Our personal pit, what a hole that place was. Just to give you a little perspective, one day we decided to just play golf with empty bottles in the backyard and just smash. There's just glass the roof. all over this yard. So cheeky and fun. Nobody ever fell in it. Not that I know. No. no we had a pet raccoon named Leroy. That probably wasn't up to code. Okay, so, okay, uh, quick story time. So, when we all lived together in this ramshackled house, uh, it was two stories. And it had plumbing. Yeah, it did have plumbing. And at one point in time, uh, we did hear a noise in the roof. And we knew, ah, we have have a visitor. We have another tenant here. 
we assumed it was raccoon. And over, you know, a period of weeks, it started to get louder. And we're like, wow, it's getting, it's getting heavy. Is that thing getting bigger? We all kind of debated, like, I don't know. Maybe it is. It could be. I don't know. And then we started to hear sounds in different areas of the roof at the same time. And we're like, okay, wait a minute. Is there any chance that thing had babies? No, it can't be. It can't be. And then after one, especially, like, you know, obnoxious party, we go out in the back deck of our house, and there are three raccoon pups just playing around, tipping stuff over, digging through our trash. Yeah, and sure enough, Mama Raccoon that had been up in, in the roof there had definitely had kids, and we had a litter of raccoons in there. And at that point, we had to call the city to come out and catch them. Or at least we, we called the landlord and said, hey, man, we get raccoon infestation. Yeah. Come take care of it. Yeah, he did, he did a whole great. lot. Especially after we boarded oh, up that guy in the wall. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Who did we stuff in the wall, Shuffles? I mean, we let him out. <laughs> but... We did. It was Shuffles, yeah. Did we? I thought, didn't we cask of Amontillado somebody? I mean, wait, am I, am I admitting to murder on a what podcast? No, no, no. <laughs> we, 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 we splashed cold water on Luigi and he came too. We, we, we got him out of there. Uh, all so, right, let's let's stop talking about our criminal past and yeah. talk more about the, which we absolutely do not have criminal past. That let's talk happened. about ECU, please. So we played a number of great pranks, but that's besides the point. What was the best prank played by the pit in this movie? I have a clear answer. So I'll defer to you two to go first. I mean, honestly, if at any point does having the P Funk All Stars show up at your party count as a prank? Because that that's the most amazing thing ever. So we could we could say prank slash like just incredible pull it out of your ass accomplishment, which would be getting P Funk yeah. to play your party. Yeah, that'd be great. So all right, I'm going to ask a, a question here, uh, a parallel to this. What's the worst thing they were accused and or did in the movie? Accused of and or did in the movie? The worst thing they did had to be throwing the meat onto the vegan people. <laughs> no, I think it's when President Garcia Thompson informs us that they put speed bumps on the handicap ramps. Oh, yeah. But we That's didn't a see dick that. Move. That was off see, screen. I, no, but see, I lost a lot of sympathy for those characters <laughs> when they said that. I'm like, that's fucked up. Because even the meat, that's just basically straight up assault. Like, so, I, you know, when you, you pose the question, uh, Pasty, and you're like, they're pranks? Most of their pranks are pretty shitty. Like, honestly, <laughs> I like the meat. They're kind of see. It's not really a prank. It's just kind of like meat assault. Um, so if I had to pick a prank, the one that I think that actually holds up the best is the uh, Centennial uh, Club, you know, uh, raid. When yeah. they make all the schmucks listen to uh, Afternoon Delight on repeat and steal their bar. Yeah. That, to me, that's solid. That was funny. I enjoyed it. I felt like they were doing something to people that deserved it. The rest of the time, they're just kind of being dicks to fragile people and and putting speed bumps on handicap ramps. Like they're not likable. That's not it's, likable. It's not that this thing doesn't age well. I mean, there's still a lot of classic stuff here, but it's like Animal House when you go back and they there's the date rape scene and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what? That one doesn't hold up. 
at all. No. Like that that scene is like Huh. huh. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Where okay. were we at as a society that this was cool? Well, but I mean, all right. At, at, least, at was... least in PC at least in PCU uh Rand uh, David Spade's character dresses that. You can't even coerce a woman into sex on this campus anymore. <laughs> his uh, his uh, speech that is basically broadcast the entire bicentennial when he's just rallying against all the different groups on campus. That, that's that's a great Spade moment. Not not a lot of guys could pull that off with being such just a sleazy asshole like he does. No, he, he yeah he, he does very well with that. Uh, so my favorite prank was the meat tossing prank. It kind of kicks the movie into high gear, but you know we should mention that had a certain prank not been played by the pit, this movie doesn't actually even occur because the whole reason that Draws is having to chauffeur around the prefrosh is because he he put all the dog biscuits in that guy's. Bag coming home from Jamaica. From Jamaica, so he signed him up to be, to be a, you know, like a mentor. But honestly, this whole movie didn't have to happen because all the guys that have to do is sabotage the bicentennial. This is Lebowski levels of the plot happens around our character. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's just a lot of people like to do the Indiana Jones didn't have to do anything game. In this movie, the whole movie doesn't have to happen except for the end. They just have to sabotage that and get her fired and they win. So here's a, a big one. Because we've mentioned that Piven really owns the movie. But if we take him out of the equation, there's a lot of colorful characters in this movie. Who owned it? Pigman. Okay, Pigman. Who watches TV? That's, his, that's entirely what he does. In fact, I think I was Pigman for a while. Although I played, Pins and needles. I played Pins way more uh, Super Monkey Ball than he did. <laughs> Super Monkey Ball was such a good game. <laughs> hey, hey, you can major in Super Monkey Ball if you can yeah. bullshit. You, yeah. I mean, this this movie is ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Cause, yes. I yes. mean, right now there's League of Legends teams at colleges, so they're on ESPN. Right. Fair point. So you say Pigman. Captain no, Cash, who no. do you think? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, it's got to be Mersh, man. Come on. Mersh, you got to lay off the smoke, man. George the Clinton pipe. is got right here. Marvelous. <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah, you know, you know what? That was my joke. I, I was going to go with Busey. But honestly, um, this is Piven's movie. This is the guy from Max Headroom's movie. Um, but... Jesus, David Spade really does kill it in this movie. This is his best Chris Farley-less movie. A lot of people would say, oh, what about Joe Dirt? No, no, no fuck Joe Dirt. This is this is peak Spade without Chris Farley. When he's like he, in he nailed this. President Garcia Thompson's office with his, with his uh, loafers on her desk and he's looking at the ties in the catalog and he's like, Madras ties. Madras ties. Sweet. <laughs> No, I, I love it. Like, uh, who's who, who's the greatest president? Who is Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Don't ever make me answer those questions again. <laughs> Who killed Jesus? The Jews. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's so bad. Uh, all right. So. Wait, hey, uh, what, what's what's a casual shoe for yachting? 
Yeah. <laughs> I forget the name of it. What? Well, obviously, you're not Mayflower material, yeah. then. Yeah. So, we did have... So, Pigman, who is writing a thesis based upon the Kane-Hackman theory that any given time on TV, you can find either a Kane or Hackman movie. And before we hopped on this pod, Captain Cash, you said, who would be the Kane-Hackman theory of today? And it, I think it's a really strong question. So I'll go first. And this is slightly unfair, because they're actually in a bunch of movies together. But I think it's got to be Kevin Hart and The Rock. They have the perfect amount of schlock and crap, and also sometimes surprisingly decent movies. And they're both larger than life. So here's where I will quibble. We need to... It's not just on network television. It needs to be streaming in America. Okay. So And also, weren't you... they not supposed to be in the same movie? Because he finds them in the same movie, and he's like, Kane and Hackman. And I forget what movie it is. He's like, in the same movie, this is my thesis. So maybe it's unfair I... to use Kevin Hart and The Rock. No, I... Well, I, I think he... It doesn't eliminate the thesis. It's more that... That they're in there together is the culmination of of his life. Jesus, yeah. So, I I think it is Rob Lowe and I really want to I, I want to think who's streaming. It, I'm trying to think of a woman of. Rob Lowe's generation, because that's where we're at. But it's either I think it's Rob Lowe and Steve Carell. Like I want to be able to pick, so it's not just two dudes. But well, I'd say Melissa McCarthy. If if I was to substitute out Kevin Hart, it would be her. Uh, Streaming anywhere in America, Rob Lowe covers stuff like Lion Guard. It covers all his work on Parks and Rec. It covers all the 80s movies he was in. The West Wing. The West Wing. If you do Steve Carell, that gives you The Office, which is a huge leg up. People are constantly watching that. and If if we were being super realistic about it, wouldn't Morgan Freeman have to be in there? Because he's in so much stuff. Or Samuel L. Jackson, for example. Samuel L. Jackson, that's who it is. Who has like 200 plus credits to his name. Yeah. It's Sam Jackson and Rob Lowe. I'd take that. Sam Jackson and Rob Lowe ever in a movie together? Holy shit, hang on. Sam Jackson and Rob Lowe. Uh, I'd have to think, but I mean, it's entirely possible. But I don't know off the top of my head. You look it up. Son of a bitch. I don't know that they've ever been in a movie together. This might be my thesis. Oh, boy. You're, you're going to go back to college. Oh, fuck. The Hateful Eight? No. No, he's that not. Can't Rob be. Lowe's not in that. Yeah. Bruce Stern's in it. Channing Tatum. So, Chumpzilla, we came to an agreement that Samuel L. Jackson is clearly one of the people. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's no way around it. He's just in too much stuff. Oh, man. You guys gotta listen to uh, the Rewatchables. I think it's in the King of New York episode... 
or in the Unstoppable episode with Quentin Tarantino, he has crazy stories about how Lawrence Fishburne was supposed to be Jules in Pulp Fiction. But I digress. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do some interesting things about this movie. And then we're going to do a Where Are They Now? The Port Chester University Class of 1994. It's not every character, but we chose a handful of them. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. This is our PCU episode. We're presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I've actually found a bunch of interesting things about this movie, and they're all pretty awesome. Uh, Start off, Zach Penn's inspiration, which we briefly mentioned above, came during his visit to the Wesleyan campus as a pre-frosh, just like Tom Lawrence or Chris Young, and I called him the old 96er, It's an old movie to reference, but it's The Great Outdoors, and it's fantastic. So during that trip, that's when he witnessed a campus-wide campaign formed by the FRAT, the Eclectic Society. They were fighting uh, against the Office of Admissions, who was trying to turn their building into an office building. Uh, He was also influenced, though, by a psychoanalysis class there. On the first day, his professor announced, I'm a black lesbian trapped in the body of a white male oppressor. Uh, Penn thought he was kidding. Everyone else in the class, which Penn said was full of ardent feminists, took him seriously. That'd be a really weird first day of class. That would. How do you respond to something like that? You just kind of go. A white male oppressor. Okay. Uh, so, hey, I'd just like to point out, guys, that there's actually a deeper connection to our college experience in this movie in the DNA that it shares with Animal House. Are you a black lesbian trapped in the body of a white male oppressor? No. <laughs> PJ, PJ O'Rourke went to Miami. Oh, yeah. And All right. That was what I was going to say. And, is like uh, National Lampoon's, like, that terrible yes. moment in that movie, that magazine really pushed boundaries. I mean, there was an issue where yeah. they had a six- like a six-shooter pointed to a dog's head and said, buy this magazine or we'll kill this dog. Yeah. That was their so, type of humor. Yeah, so so P.J. Rourke ran with the National Lampoon's crowd. He was part of what became uh, Animal House, which was based off some of the frats uh, at uh, our uh, alma mater. So I'm just, I'm just saying, s- some of that DNA you know, is pushed forward into this movie. So it's not it's not crazy to say that our college experience shared some of this because yeah there's it's there it's there the connection exists. Here's some crazy casting for you because even though Jeremy Piven would go on to be a huge star basically because Entourage and he was in movies but Entourage he's the best part of that show too. Hart Bachner had to fight for him to be James Draws Andrews. The studio wanted Adam Sandler. Who I love Adam Sandler. I don't see I can him. see that. I don't see him pulling off uh, this role as well. Bachner said, "I fought for him over people like Sandler because I thought he had the kind of energy that was rare and kinetic and infectious." Yes, and that's where I, mean, I can see that Sandler's always he's underplayed and he does like angry very well. Like he can do that. I'm going to fly off the handle and I'm mad. There's a different sort of energy to draws that I don't think he channels. 
quite as well. And I love Adam Sandler. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But yeah, well, Adam Sandler doesn't play slick. Or which is what yeah. Draws yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, Draws is, you know, like, uh, for example, Billy Madison, right? He's kind of a loser, and Sandler plays it. He always plays, like, the lovable loser type. Uh, the wedding singer, he gets left on his wedding day. Uh, Big Daddy, he's a guy who dropped out of law school, et cetera, and so on. Here's the thing Sandler can't do. He can't do the slick guy stuff that Piven does. When Piven delivers the quick lines, the fast stuff, the spiels, like, boom, one take, no cutaways, the slick stuff, yeah, Sandler can't do that. He, he, can't, he can't do the spiels, like, class, nothing before 11, beer, it's your best friend. Do you have a car? No. Somebody in your freshman hall will. Find him and make friends with him the first day. The, the, the boom, 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 boom stuff, Sandler can't do that. Yeah. Not, not, not with the conviction that Piven can. That's my opinion. As I said, Piven, critical of Bachner's unwillingness to improvise. Uh, I guess he talks about it on a DVD commentary, which I haven't seen. I I found that a little weird because there's a point in the movie where Spade refers, uh, Rand McPherson refers to Draws as forehead, which had to be improvised because that line only works with a guy like Piven. Piven, yes. You know? Well, to your point, uh, pasty. I think they just tried to. I think they probably limited what yeah. they let them do to a point they felt like there there was more. Because you know what, this movie does at times get a little bit stilted. It's it's tough because uh, obviously you watch Anchorman, and like seventy five percent of Anchorman's improvised. You watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is one of my favorite shows, and ninety percent of that show is just them riffing and doing sort of whatever on the fly. But this was Hart Bachner's first movie it's pretty understandable that he wouldn't want them to go too far outside the lines i think but mm-hmm. because you know you you're working from the script you're setting schedules every day and sometimes when you let people when it gets too crazy uh, into that realm of well we're just gonna go with it uh the director gets fired lord miller got fired from solo for basically that exact reason like well we're, we want him to be funnier and we want him to do this we want him to do that and like well that's not Han Solo so you know I don't really blame a first time director for not wanting to venture outside of his comfort zone so here's a great one I said uh, establishing shots were done at Wesleyan for the most part but University of Toronto is where Portchester University was actually portrayed coincidentally the Christmas movie, The Ref, was also filming in Toronto. The Ref with Dennis Leary and Captain Cash's favorite actor, Kevin Spacey. So the cast... He's a monster. He's a monster, everybody. So the cast played each other in a softball game. Who do you guys think won this competitive softball game? The cast of PCU or the cast of The Ref? Because, one, you have to think. Leary, very competitive, great athlete. Spacey, probably not either of those things. <laughs> well, I mean, got PCU for the reason of youth alone. What do you think? I was going to say the ref based on sports language. Well, the ref is the ref is a movie about a guy mediating to a burglar who's mediating the shitty marriage of two people. No, no, I get that, it's, but it's like a divorce. But referee. Oh, okay, yeah. 
Uh, PCU defeated the cast uh, of the ref. And then Ted Dem, the director of the ref, apparently told Leary, yeah, but we had a better script. <laughs> the ref is a good movie. That's debatable. I mean, there's a reason we're not talking about the ref right now, though, isn't it? Aren't we? So, as I mentioned, studio mandated PG-13. Bachner didn't like that. He said, one thing they did do that I wasn't thrilled about was that they required me to deliver a PG-13 movie. That was contractual. But I felt they made me cut out the edgier, funnier aspects of the whole PCU thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, We had to soften some of that stuff, which worked against the movie. I'd be curious to see what was cut. So, you know, who knows, but... I'm with the Snyder cut of PCU. Bring it on. Yeah, let's take it. Let's get the Bachner cut. Release the Ellis cut. (laughs) Release the Hans, Booby, release the cut. I'm your white knight. Come on, Booby. Zach Penn did not take the, the flop of this movie very well. He said, PCU, which at the time was dismissed, is now, in the States at least, a cult comedy. I agree. He yes. t- said to Denna Geek to talk to talk to a classroom full of students and hear they all love this movie, which didn't get the, the time of day. It's pretty satisfying because at the time it was heartbreaking. So heartbreaking, in fact, he hasn't written a comedy since. Like a straight comedy movie? Never again. And I, it's a shame because I think he's, I mean, obviously you look at some of the movies he's been involved with, he has a good, uh, you know, he knows how to write comedic dialogue. Some of the dialogue and the timing in this is great. It really is. Um, the first, the first like 45 minutes of this movie is extremely tight, too. I'll just say that. Like, this, this movie starts off really strong and then it slows down for a bit. That's its, that's its biggest sin. It's biggest. Yeah. It's, 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 it starts off, and again, to my point, this movie takes place over a day and a half, so it doesn't have a lot of like time to waste, but it finds it. <laughs> the middle of this movie just kind of goes... Its biggest sin, and you talked about this before we got on, is the romantic foil for Draws. Draws yeah. doesn't need a romantic foil. Makes he no is sense. the sort of shepherd of the wayward souls of the pit. That's his role. He doesn't need a second sort of story. No, it, it slows things down. Like the best example of that I can give is, is that the uh, ultimate Frisbee game, his whole angle of trying to talk to the girl in the middle of it, it does nothing. Contributes nothing. It yeah. just, it's just there. It just takes up time on screen. It doesn't do anything for the story. It, it doesn't advance the plot. There's so many other things going on at that time to take, a moment just to have him to <clears throat> talk reconnect with girl. some girl he dated like six years ago for some reason they're both still attending this college and she's also the worst actor in the movie at least it gives us the cockman oppressor <laughs> no that, that comes in the first like 15 minutes i mean yeah even 10 maybe cockman oppressor thank you very much the womenists are awesome you guys want a brew dog? We're not interested in your penis. Penis. I think they're that, offering us a beer. Well, I, I you know, uh, I mean, that's not the most. I mean, it's, it's the movie's dated. I'll, I'll say that. A little bit. It, I mean, for sure. It, I mean, it feels like a '90s uh, movie. 
It does. It's very 90s. It's very Gen X. So here's a crazy casting what if. Steve Zahn and Ashley Judd tried out for the roles of Tom and Samantha. So Ashley Judd could have been Sam, who was Jeremy Piven's love interest. And Steve Zahn could have been the prefrosh. I love Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn as but, well. That, that's kind of, Ashley Judd's kind of hot. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. Steve Zahn, one of, one of the uh, all-time guilty pleasures I have. Saving Silverman. Terrible movie. Savings. I love it. That is not that that is not a terrible movie. That's an excellent movie. Here's something. Here's one of the dumbest renamings you're ever gonna hear. This film was renamed Politically Correct Party Animals in the United Kingdom. That sounds about right, though. And here's my favorite one. The original screenplay for the movie featured Nirvana as the band to play during the party. But Nirvana's oh, no. appearance fee was too high. So the Goo Goo Dolls were also considered as a replacement before Parliament Funkadelic were chosen instead. How much money does the Pitts party make if the Goo Goo Dolls are playing it? I say like three, four hundred dollars. Listen, okay, first I'm an I... apologist for the Goo Goo Dolls. I, I like Name. I like Iris. Uh, I like Black Balloon. Ugh. Oh, God. Listen. This listen is, you're you're going to love any music that comes out right about the time you're getting laid. So, I, if the Goo Doll showed up, you'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, well, let's, go, let's go check that out. So, here, here's my thing. <laughs> One thing about this movie that bothers me immensely is they tease you the band in the pit, but the pit band never fucking plays except for Hail to the Chief. Like, watching this movie for the first time, I expected to see the pit band have their moment. And they don't. It's just George Clinton. George Clinton shows up in the end and he's the band. I mean, to be fair, like, it is like, George Clinton, so... Mm. Which, is, which is fine. I feel, I feel like they, they set that up the whole time. The whole point of the party was for them to play. Like, hey, the pit band's going to play. I wanted to see everybody gets laid. You're never going to no, see it. No, you got to see like, George Clinton. For, uh, I know. Can't you no. do both? Can't can't they join them on stage? Like, I feel like there was a payoff there to see those actors do something because it's set up from the early from the very beginning. Oh, there's a band they're practicing, and then there's just they never they never play. Well, that's it's part like, of the comedy element I, of the whole thing. I, I didn't find it funny. There's not supposed to be a payoff for them because they're really not central moments. They're not central characters in the movie. Here's what really struck me as odd. So Cecilia, the girl with the curly hair. Yes. Her sister was the lead actress on 30-something. So when you Google Cecilia. I don't know what what 30-something is. It was a TV show. No, can't help here. You know what I do know? Is that it was Captain a TV Cash show just admitted his love for the Goo Goo Dolls, and we're gonna cherish that forever. Listen, uh, again, that. so the, the, the I know what I am. I am an apologist for the Goo Goo Dolls. That's fine. I am spitting facts here. Thirty something was a TV show. Uh, Cecilia's sister was on it. When you Google the actress that played Cecilia, you don't get her results. You get her sisters. That is the equivalent of the band in the movie not getting a music scene. Like, that just, that kills me. Like, like, who is that chick? Uh, I Google her. Her sister comes up. 
Like, oh, it's so unsatisfying. Like, they set it up, but they don't deliver it. So here's what I was Terrible. Uh, uh, obviously, no disrespect to Captain Cash and his love of Black Balloon. The Goo Goo Dolls just don't fit the vibe of the pit. No, absolutely not. Uh, no, no, no. no. no that's, Nir- that's Nirvana fair. does. A, a soft rock band. But at the same time, I think Parliament Funkadelic was the perfect band to tie this party together. But Pasty, you don't even like punk. It's funk. What? They're funk. Funk. Yeah, they're not really a punk band. But, but, God damn it, that's a joke from the movie. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the joke they make in Cherrytown. That's right. That's right. G- Gutter's like, Merce, you don't even like punk. He's like, funk gut, man. Yeah. Funk. <laughs> oh my God, you're killing me. I'm dying here. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Uh, so let's uh, let's do the where are they now? Portchester University class of <sighs> 1994. We're going to start with some campus favorites before going getting into the key members of the pit. Our first campus favorite is Moonbeam, played by Becky Thayer. Where do you think Moonbeam wound up? I can start. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. So to me, Moonbeam. Obviously, she kept very busy as an activist for years before finally settling down because she had a baby. That baby? Greta Thunberg. Nice going, Moonbeam. (laughs) Thank you. Time's person of the year and well-earned. Obviously, a much more successful activist than her mother. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Okay, uh, for me, uh, Moonbeam... She's a homeopathic mommy blogger and anti-vax movement leader. Oh, God. <laughs> to me, that just checks out. I mean, there's probably some evidence to support that. <laughs> My thought, Moonbeam gave it all up, goes by her regular name of Karen, has 2.5 children, and is a staunch Republican. Okay. She uh, she couldn't fight the man anymore. I get it. Yeah, a.k.a. the grossest person possible. I've decided Equal, I'm going to choose... Equally as likely, uh, sadly. Equally as likely. I'm going I'm to choose which of these I, I like the most, and I'm going to award this round to Chumpzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so second is Mersh, Jake Busey. I said Mersh served as a roadie on the final tour of The Grateful Dead in 1995. To this day, he doesn't remember a moment of it. Blotter accompanied him. Blotter. Blotter. Hey, Blotter. All right. So I'll follow up here. Uh, He's the uh, lead designer at Oculus Rift. (laughs) Is that a thing? Did I make that up? Is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Oculus Rift is a thing. Those are things that are things. Those are things that are things. I think what had happened was... Uh, pursuing the greatest high he could possibly find, he backpacked across Europe until he came to a small, quaint Romanian castle, wherein he was fed upon by the vampire Count Dracula and subsided to live for the following 300 years, mastering his own vampire abilities until the war with the bugs came, and he was able to use his abilities, having learned... (laughs) For 300 years, how to play the violin. 
to seduce one Charlie Rico and Dizzy Johnny with Rico. his electric violin skills. It's all for you can give Dizzy is hot as fuck. Uh, Points. But I mean, come on. Yeah. That, that was late 90s. Captain uh, Cash gets Carbon Electra. I mean, I could see where I could see where Casper Van Dien did what he did. That's not Carmen Electra. No shit, it wasn't Carmen Electra. Wait, who was it? Denise Richards. Dizzy is played by. Oh, I can't Carmen remember Electra. her name. Yeah. Oh, oh. Denise not Richards. Kylie Denise Richards. Yeah. Thank not you. Kylie Whoops. Uh, what? No, D- Dizzy's not Denise Richards. Dizzy's not Kylie Minogue, the yeah. redhead chick. Oh, yes, thank you. M- moving on, moving so on. So McPherson, David Spade. I said McPherson had to go into hiding. Rand, to... Rand McPherson. Rand McPherson. Because that's clearly a, 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 an Iron Rand reference there. Mm. Probably. on point like that way, yeah. So McPherson had to go into hiding due to his less-than-savory views on the majority of the campus. He reemerged as a troubled judge with an alcohol uh, whoa, issue. Whoa, 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 whoa. His less than what? Savory. Uh huh. Keep going. What did you Views. think it was? No, no, keep going. Just keep going. On the majority it's of the less campus. Than what? The majority of humanity. Continue. Yeah. Okay. He reemerged. <laughs> I, I, I just want to make that joke. Sorry. He reemerged as a troubled judge with an alcohol issue and then set a record by saying the word beer 30 times at a Senate hearing. He's now a Supreme <laughs> Court Justice. Uh, you know, I'm not even try. You win. That's fine. <laughs> no, hold on. Hold on. I believe he will become a key aide to Lindsey Graham. <laughs> or maybe he just is Lindsey Graham? He's one of Stephen Miller's skin suits. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Former President Garcia Thompson. She's still a bitch, but at least she gave birth to the greatest U.S. secret agent in history, Archer. God damn it. Do I have to make a fucking, like, a Bluth reference that she she runs a banana stand? Fuck. We're choosing the lowest hanging fruit. Maybe the banana stand runs her. Oh, God. Maybe, maybe not, but there's always money. Always money there. I, I, I believe that she is the principal of a Betsy uh, uh, Devos uh, back charter school. <laughs> I would take that, yeah. I will I'm say sure that... She got downgraded, so she's, you know, down to low-level grifting as opposed to the high-level grifting. I, I will take the Archer Danger Island approach that she runs a... Small hotel in Micronesia. With or without ladyboy hookers. Oh, God. You know, it's never explicit, but definitely hookers. I'm going to go with with. I'm going to make that one a push, which makes it one apiece. Oof. And now we're on to the key members of the pit. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to eliminate Gutter because in my head canon now... He no, has stop, to be stop. happy. No, okay. Stop, stop, don't wreck this. <laughs> All right, don't fine. Steal my thunder. Okay, gutter. I said he swapped his musical interests for culinary ones and became a successful chef, even running a food truck that swept the nation. <laughs> okay, that's not, that's not too crazy. What do you got for us, Hermes? I will say that uh, upon graduation, gutter realized that he was money. He didn't even know it and left to 
to L.A. to pursue an acting career. That is very solid. So money. But I'm afraid that after Gutter graduated, he became the head of security for Stark Industries and possibly he's banging Spider-Man's hot aunt. Possibly? I feel like I think I it, feel like yeah. it's pretty explicitly he's banging Spider-Man's hot aunt. But it's not that's, exclusive. That's possibly in air quotes. Uh, so I'm giving this to Captain Cash. Ah, swingers, swingers every time. Uh, so Mulaney, I said as mentioned, Mulaney was hired at John Adams High School as the science teacher. He eventually disappeared without a trace. <laughs> Feeney knows how to hide bodies. Sean Hunter. They dug him up in Sean Hunter's uh, trailer park years later. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, as before, I'm not going to top a Boy Meets World reference. Nuts. Well, I'm going to say that he is now a roadie with George Clinton and prominent Funkadelic. Okay, Captain Cash, who gets the points? I'm listen. I appreciate P Funk, but I I am gonna give it to the Boy Meets World reference. I can't yeah, not. It's just too good. It's just such a great show. Uh, two more to go, Dang. and it's two two to one. This is Tom Lawrence played by Chris Young. I said Tom married Katie. They had a good life, but he was eventually murdered by Bantam Draper, who never forgot being upstaged by a man who was not Mayflower material. Oof. BD. He beat him to death with his boat shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Wrapped his body in a salmon-colored shirt. That's cold. Cold Cold-blooded. Well, I want a slightly lighter route. I said that he's the cool suburban dad with the middle management job that likes to smoke weed in the garage. Shit. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened. He uh, he grew up, and with his friends in college, he decided he'd like to start a podcast. <laughs> Probably about bad movies and drinking. I don't know. Probably about his days in the pit. <laughs> we can we can call that one a draw too. <laughs> too too perfect. Too. Was that was that cutting a little too close to home for all of us? Yeah. Wait, well, none of, we us have, none of us have been murdered to death with our own boat shoes yet. So. And lastly, James draws Andrews. Draws never much a fan of honest work. Went on to sell used cars with an equally motley crew of salesmen, and then he befriended Cuba Gooding Jr. and Emilio Estevez, and was murdered in the ghetto when they were on their way to see a boxing match. That's two Jeremy Piven movies spliced. Is that, is that Repo Man? No, it's Judgment Night and uh, The Goods. Repo Man. With Mel Estevez. Yes, that one, yes. Wow. Okay. That's A lot of people died in mine, so... Yours what was you decidedly for, more dark. Cash, what do you got for us? Slash Hermes. Uh, what became of the draws? Uh... I can only think that he burned out, thought he was chasing true love and didn't find it, and instead, now he uh, he works as a parking garage attendant. Well, 
I think you underestimate his sociopathic tendencies. I think he honed those and developed them into a career on Wall Street. And that uh, James Draws Andrews is currently a director of mergers and acquisitions at Pearson Pierce. I'm going to give this to Chubzilla. That's an American Psycho joke. We we finished in uh, a a draw, a total draw, two, 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 two. So we're going to take a quick look. Listen, listen, that's equitable, that's fair, that's what PCU would demand. Uh, so we'll take a quick break. We come back. We'll do recommendations, and uh, that's it. Cool. Woo! Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is our final segment. We're going to do some quick recommendations. Uh, I'll start. I haven't really watched a whole lot lately. I'm about halfway through Marriage Story. It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's very well acted, but I would never watch it again. So I'm going to go with something a little lighter, and it's another lesser-known comedy from 1994. It's Airheads, which centers around a band desperately in need of a break, so they hold up a radio station. Yeah, they hold up a radio station with uh, semi-realistic-looking water guns to get them to play their single. It's dumb. It's got a tremendous cast. Sandler, Montaigne, Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Chris Farley, Michael McKean. And one day, I think we should probably do it on the pod because it was also a flop. What about you guys? So, I don't know that we covered this extensively enough in the last pod, but you all need to go see Cats. I need to be (laughs) sure that I'm not fucking insane. That movie drove me to the precipice (laughs) of my possible understanding that is the human condition go see this don't don't leave me alone here in the dark and as i said let's do some karaoke let's jellicle let's get jellicle to do to quote darkwing cat let's get jellicle i i personally cannot um condone <laughs> that don't go see cats just <laughs> you know Observe it, pick it up on video, but don't go out of your way. You're such a prude. You're not ready Ugh. to be. You're not ready to be jellical horny like we you are. are. Not the jellical choice. You know what? <laughs> the weird witchcraft that is naked cat Taylor Swift has worn off. I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> but I need everyone to inundate Chumzilla with naked cat Taylor Swift. That's what needs to happen. Mm, yeah, just, no. just, just bombard our social media with weird, sultry, creepy, uncanny valley Taylor Swift cat bumble yeah. arena, all up in the inboxes, all up in your notifications, it, sliding into your DMs, bumble arena. No, no, no. But I, I, I see that, uh, I see that uh, <clears throat> Rebel Wilson's dropped some weight, so. Well, I mean, she removed how many layers of fur during that movie? At least three. Uh, yeah, yeah, three plus. But she's she's dropped weight now. She's got a, a celebrity trainer, and she's making a go of it. So. Did she also learn how to sing? Because that was my... I'm glad she's doing better health-wise, but she can't sing. So why was she in a musical? 
not sure I, if that's my greater concern are the slave mice that are played by human children and the cockroach <laughs> she eats while while they scream for their lives well, while she feasts well, on their <laughs> gets ready to feast on their blood Jesus well, Christ go see this movie it's so fucked up I, I can't be the only one or we can't be the only three join us become diet she's probably eating less people cockroach slash mice but just saying you'd be surprised to learn that people slash cockroaches are so are very keto very keto very keto not fair enough so they're at least that all protein diet thing yeah exactly the caveman diet atkins chumzilla what is your recommendation all right so this is gonna be really overwrought and awful but oh jesus yeah not very jellical of you not very not at all so hey, hey, help me out here. Uh, hey, Mr. Wizard, who's the director of this movie? Hart Bachner, the one and only. The one and only Hart Bachner. That's a good point. So here's my recommendation. Who's kid, Hart? Hart Bachner also played the dickhead boyfriend in 1979's Breaking Away, which is my recommendation. Starring Daniel Stern and mm-hmm. the yeah. damn it, the non-crazy Quaid brother. Yeah, yeah, Randy. Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> no, Dennis. wait, what? <laughs> it's yeah. craziest Quaid, brother. Yeah. It, it, it comes in later. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, so this makes two weeks in a row that I've recommended a movie that has won an Oscar for its screenplay, this time for Best Original Screenplay. And much like PCU, Breaking Away is very much a college movie. It's about somebody finding their way in life but in a much more realistic way, yet with a comedic tone. It's set and filmed in Bloomington, Indiana, on the campus of Indiana University, and it follows the story of a cutter, Dave Stoller, and in this movie, a cutter is a derogatory term for a local, somebody whose family was a stone cutter that helped you know, mine the limestone that became the university buildings. In reality, they were called stoners, but that was deemed to be too risque for the movie, so they changed it to Cutters. But, you know, anyway, <clears throat> the main character gets, you know, obsessed with cycling, and I'm he not and sure buddies... Cutters is much better, though. Not to... Well, at, the, <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the time, it did not have a dual meaning. So, yeah, so basically, uh, he, he uh, the main character gets involved in this bike race, which is an annual event, at IU called the Little 500. It's a play on the Indy 500. It's a melancholy story, but again, it's very much a college coming of age thing. And it's a great movie, and it has great pedigree, and I think it's an underrated sports movie. A lot of people don't think of it as a sports movie. This is very much a sports movie. So, all that being said, this movie has plenty of heart, pun intended. It's a fun movie, and seriously underrated not just as a movie, but probably as a sports movie. And uh, you know what? As far as the critics go, it's uh, a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it also stars Dennis Quaid, Daniel Stern, and Jackie Earl Haley in supporting roles. Yep. Check it out. It's a, it's a great movie. Uh, it is a great movie. That's a, like a legit recommendation. Airheads is not a good movie. But it's no, a fun it movie. is. It's yeah, but it's not breaking away. 
Yeah, but but you know, 70s good movies are not the same as mm, some. I I think it depends. It's a little, it really it's depends. A little, they're cheesy in different ways. Also, see cats. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. So I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, we don't know what our next movie is. Do little, 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 do little. I do feel the like Last Jedi. I do but feel like we should I watch, see. I, I watch cats do the Last Jedi. I watch cats do, do the Last Jedi. No, not to do the Last Jedi. You wanted to do the Rise of Skywalker. What? what ah, do little. Uh, so maybe we'll do Star Wars. I think we owe it to Chumpzilla to do Star Wars, but we should hey, also. Do solo. That was the more disappointing. Like, didn't didn't Rise of Skywalker make a billion dollars? Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, fuck off. It didn't make as much as the last one. It did. Uh, fucking deal. Billion American dollars. So maybe we'll put a poll out and we'll add Doolittle. We'll add Solo. We'll add Rise of Skywalker. We'll add some other stuff to it, and we'll see. We'll uh, we'll put it to you guys. Uh, so I'll leave you this. This is one of the great lines of the movie. I was going to do the one about college advice, but we already did that. As uh, Draws is talking to Samantha, Rand McPherson is walking down the uh, the uh, field, the frisbee ultimate frisbee field. And he says, you remember this guy? He skippered Hitler's catamaran during the war. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy this movie. It's stupid. It's fun. It's very 90s. And we'll see you next time.